take my chances with you, God. Every other option, Lord, it's not enough. It's not enough. Every other option is not enough. It's not enough. Oh, it's not enough, God. Oh, I take my chances with you.
Jesus Christ the King. Oh, come, come. Oh, come adore Him. Oh, come, come. Oh, come adore Him. Oh, we can sing unending songs of how you've loved us and how you've saved our souls. Oh, you brought us out of Egypt. You brought us out of Syria. You brought us out of pain. You brought us out of gloom. Oh, come, come and adore Him. Oh, come and adore Him. Throw all worship on Him. Oh, waste all your strength on Him. Jesus Christ, our King. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the warrior. sacrifice beyond all things oh he is worthy he is worthy oh come and adore him so I throw my hands to the skies above and I take my chances with this God of love and every other option is not enough
king of all nations. Oh, they crumble at your feet. Oh, we all crumble at your feet. King of kings, Lord of lords, the lamb who was slain. King of kings, Lord of lords, the prince of peace. chapter, excuse me, verse 12. I will certainly gather all of you, oh Jacob, and I will certainly assemble those Israelites who remain, 
That's the remnant of Israel. And I will bring them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in the middle of a pasture. They'll be so numerous that they will make a lot of noise. The one who can break through barriers will lead them out. And they will break out. They're going to pass through the gate and leave. This indicates that a fold of sheep or people will break out is probably a reference, listen, to the exile. Listen, what we're doing here. Oh, there's, there's a remnant that's about to come forward out of exile. An exile that the Lord has allowed to happen. But listen, you're a breakthrough people. That's why we're here right now. Because many of you have already broke out or are in the middle of breaking out. Breaking out of exile and coming up to the house of the Lord. Where great and glorious praises. Listen, this is a promise of the Father. Hey, and we take our stand today with you, Lord. Off this word. Let the remnant. Let the remnant come out of exile. Let the remnant, Lord. Let them be so numerous, Lord. That they will make so much noise. Well, we've seen this as a vision. There will be so many. That finally said enough's enough. I'll have the king or I'll have nothing. I'll have Jesus or I'll have nothing. Lord, we say and partner with you this morning. Let the remnant break out of exile. Let them come forward. Break out, break out. Let the breaker anointing come forward to break out the people. Let the chains be broken off, Lord. All this held us back. Though it's tried to encumber us, Lord, and tried to come against our families. And we couldn't trust you, but we say, and we partner together this morning, and we say, enough's enough. Enough's enough. We'll not be bound by these systems of man. Oh, we're the Lord's. We're yours, Lord. Oh, advance before us, Lord. See, that's what we're doing this morning. Someone's got to advance. Someone's got to take a stand before the remnant gathers in the nation. Someone's got to do it. That's what we're here for, to stand for our brothers and sisters who have been in exile. Jesus, bring them forward, all of them, all through the nations, all over the nations. Well, let the Lord let you come forward as our great leader and lead us, Lord, into victory and into triumph.
out of your word. I take you out of your word, God. I take you out of your word. You will do all that you say, and I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe you. I believe you, God. Oh, I believe you. Bring them all. I believe you. Bring them.
sword cuts all things. Your word breaks through all the trees of Lebanon, God. Oh, the lightnings and thunders of your mighty voice who is like you. like you, God. He will rise like a warrior drunk from wine. Oh, and he will smote his enemies on their behind. Oh, who is like you? enemies be scattered. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise. Let God arise. Oh, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise. Let
could do it yourself 
That's my love. Believe my love. And cross on my love. I will rescue you every time. Cast all your cares on me. I love you beyond all measure. Cast all your fears on me. Cause I love you beyond measure. Cast all your cares on me. Cause I love you beyond measure. It's who I am. Oh, it's who I am. rescued again oh you won't let our faith fail oh we are rescued again I trust you God oh I trust you God you will bring us through you will bring us out of the desert you will bring us out of the desert you will bring us through the Red Sea you will bring us through the plagues. You will bring us through the darkness. Oh, to the place where you dwell. Oh, you will rescue us again, God. You will rescue us again. Every time I trust your grace. I trust your grace. I trust your grace. And I give glory to your name. Trust your grace. Though I walk through the valley of death, I will not fear.
I just had a, um, a vision, and, <clears throat> and I know that's very subjective when people have um, visions. Um, but what I saw was a, um, a very large angel uh, all lit up in light, and he had, a, um, he had a sword in front of him like this, right in front of his face, and it was pinned down into the ground, and he came down on one knee. Uh, he's looking, I'm just looking at him right in the eyes, <clears throat> and, um, and I knew that he was here to receive orders for dispatch, um, out of this room, and, and while I was, uh, in the tongue of the Lord, I knew that it was the tongue of the Lord, you know how scripture says that, that if we had the tongue of men and of angels, so there's a tongue for the angelic host and, um, and it, if, if this is something that's new to you I, I would recommend that you get into and look into um, Dell M. Sides because he does some real work on this but <clears throat> nevertheless um, standing, uh, standing there sitting there on one knee ready for dispatch orders and I, I'll tell you what I understand at least that the dispatch order was like this and it goes along with us in the gathering of the remnant as we pushed through the gate this morning and came out on the other side of it you know there is a lot at stake right now in the, um, 
Like, this is the sense I have. There is a lot at stake happening right now. If you don't feel it and see it, you know, I'm sure you do. I don't, but there is a lot going on in the spiritual atmosphere of this nation and in the nations of the earth. Um, and what I got from this encounter, which I believe is a war angel, I'm not sure if it's Michael or not because I met him before and he was a lot bigger than this angel, but it's a war angel. Was And then he... He gets an order, and then he flies off, and another one comes and is down on one knee taking an order, and then he flies off, and another one comes, and he takes an order, and then he flies off, and another one comes and takes an order, and then they fly off, and this is the dispatch I, I was getting. Was It was like this. It's, it's hard to say things like this, but was gather the consecrated ones. Um, to, to gather the consecrated ones that are in the earth, um, to begin this unification because the sons of darkness and the sons of light um, there will be a war and there's a war going on in the heavens right now for the soul of men right there's a major war there's a major battle in the heavens um, the, the in, your, our enemy he wants he wants a uh, he wants the souls of men and God the Father has ordained that the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the remnant, will partner with Him to bring in those who are in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in so that His house may be full. Um, but here's the thing, like, as much as the, we, the sons and daughters, have our, what we carry, we will need. Um, angelic help to be able to accomplish the purpose of what we have been called to do. And um, that's very clear, and I believe it's Exodus. But there's this passage that says about the angels, how we need them to partner with us. And we're in, the, we're in a partnership with them uh, in the taking of the land and the bringing in of the offspring of God. Um, this is our This is Jesus's inheritance through us that he would have the land but and he would have the seed the offspring that are rightfully his that his blood has purchased see So when we gather and we're getting in fielding this with the Lord you know we we have to have help because there are situations are beyond us but God uses us as human agency to partner with the angelic um, host in uh, Milton's Paradise Lost I've been raised with my dad talking to me about Paradise Lost and Paradise Regained I can hear it in my ear my whole life you know and now it's, I'm starting to get the import of what that was about but you know Paradise Lost meaning what happened in the garden paradise regained is what's happening with us when the remnant begins to come together the lord is regaining through us what was lost by adam and eve in the garden jesus blood has purchased us so that we can come back to complete uh, you in union with christ not like what happened with adam and eve but second adam coming in overtaking us so that we could partner with him in this last end time showdown 
And you know there was a rebellion in the heavens against God before the fall. And a third of the angels, including the pagan gods like Molech and Belial, were hurled out from the heavens. Jonathan Edwards said in his sermon, Wisdom Displayed in Salvation, Satan and his angels rebelled against God in heaven and proudly presumed to try their strength with his. And when God by his almighty power overcame the strength of Satan and sent him like lightning from heaven to hell with all his army, Satan still hoped to get a victory by subtlety. This, is, this was very interesting to me because I don't think I, I, I knew this, but I asked the Lord to lead us this morning. And I'm sure you're familiar with Isaiah 14, uh, like 4 through 17. It mentions the son of the morning that had fallen from the heavens and was cast down to the earth. In 12 of the passage, the Hebrew was that referred to him as the morning star in the Latin was translated as Lucifer. The name Lucifer in Latin means light bearer or light bringer for the morning star. The brilliance of the morning star which eclipses all other stars but is not seen during the night was implied about him in Ezekiel also 28 and, it, and this is another thing that's very significant to us this morning in the Dead Sea Scrolls um, some, some scholars discern the concept of a war in heaven as the war of the sons of light against the sons of darkness also known as the war scroll it's the 1QM and the 4Q 491 through 497 the songs of the Sabbath sacrifice song number 5 4Q 402 listen to this and the Melchizedek document 11Q 13 in the war scroll the angels of light are identified with Michael, the Prince of Light, will fight in heaven against the angels of darkness who are identified with Belial, while the sons of light fight for the sons of darkness on earth. And during the last of these battles, a scroll will come, and, and we know that's Revelation. In five, Jesus will take the scroll. In this end time event that we're involved in, and help the sons of light bring a final victory on the earth. He says, um, James Davila speaks of a song five of the songs of the Sabbath sacrifice as describing an eschatological, which means end time war in heaven, similar to that found in the 11Q13 document, which is the Melchizedek document, and the Archangel Michael in the war rule in the book of Revelation. That's Revelation 12. Now, I'm saying this this morning 
because it's being recorded. And I'm saying this so that it goes on record. And I'm saying it so that you will hear it. But I'm also saying it because God wants it recorded. Even within this event. He suggests this Melchizedek. This Melchizedek document in the fifth of the songs of the Sabbath sacrifice will be a divine warrior that will be in conflict. And there will be a, a war, there will be a conflict in the heavens in the end of this time. Now we know this is in Revelation 12. Because God will bring forth the man child in this end times. And I implore you to like read like T. Austin Sparks on the man child that will come forward and, and his work on that. That this concerns a war that is in the heavens in this end time. Um, and that we have been marked by the Lord even, even within this morning. And that, that the original lie what we call original sin. The original lie that was postulated on male and female in the garden. Listen. In this end times, the fig leaves would come off of God's sons and daughters. And the paradise of God would be regained. That that which was lost will be found. And that which was lost in the ashes and lost in the midst of the fire will be restored even out of this house. That that which was lost even in Asheville, that which was buried, that in this end times, that underneath Asheville was originally called Edenland, that out of this Eden land, that God will restore a remnant to himself who will stand as the sons and daughters of light back in full communion with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And, and the lie the lie that the exile, the exiled outside the garden would be defeated once for all because the blood of Jesus has purchased our redemption and our freedom. And we will take that freedom to the full extent of what Jesus purchased on Calvary for us. Right? Hey, it's not easy to let the fig leaves come off. Listen. To cross back through the barrier of the flaming swords. But that's what you're doing. You're saying, Lord, take off everything that hinders love this morning. I want everything that's hindering love between me and you as Father. I want you to take it off. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. You're saying, I'm, I'm ready to 
I'm ready to see paradise restored. I'm ready to see it regained. I'm ready for what's been lost in the ashes to be regained because the blood of Jesus has purchased our redemption and our full freedom. And I'm not called into exile from the garden any longer. Your life and my life has somehow been able to penetrate back through. And we we must take this stand in this hour like never before. You and I, we must take this stand to believe for the full restoration of man and woman. For our children and our families that they would be restored back to the Lord and everything that's been lost in the ashes. You see what's on the line. You see what's on the line here. You understand what's on the line. The earth is waiting. The Romans chapter 8 is waiting on this moment. They're waiting on the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. There, it's The earth is groaning in travail, waiting on this moment. The earth has been waiting on this moment to come for ever since the Lord was crucified on that tree. They've been waiting on us. In the heavens, the great cloud of witnesses is waiting on you and me. You're standing in an unprecedented time. And uh, what they call right now, the prophets are calling the hinge of history. You and I are standing right there in that place. You'll be like this. You'll be like, I stood there. I believed him in that garden of Eden land. I believed him and we pressed in and found him. We were the ones. We were the ones who said, yes, out of exile. I'll have Jesus or I'll have nothing. I'll have what the full blood has purchased for my life. I'll have everything that you've paid for, Lord. That's what we're saying here this morning. And that out of this, light will beam forth. Light, light, light. And the dispatch of the angelic host goes forth all throughout the earth. Now, this morning, even this morning, and as we gain more and more, regain more and more. Listen, it's going to listen. It's going to take everything that you have to believe. It will. It'll... It'll take all of you because your circumstances are trying to tell you that this is not true. It's either relationally, financially, or physically trying to tell you it's not true. But it is. Mark the words of the Lord that in history someone had together and believed all the way. The great movements of history are just like this. You and I are in the middle of making history. Just believe who you are in Him. Believe what He says about you. Trust Him as your faithful Father who loves you. You will see the reward if you do not faint. If you do not back off. If you do not say, where are you, Lord? And He says, He pushes you out again and you say, there he is again. He showed up for my family. There he is again. He showed up for me. There he is again. He rescued me. Everything trying to tell you it's not true. 
everything. And the Lord says, set your eyes on me. Set your eyes on me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. encourage you this morning right here with the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit just hear this you got to think of it like this you know another just another layer it just came off another layer of blocking the light another layer of the integration of the love of God just another every time you every time you stand up for love another layer digging into the authentic person of who you really are another layer of discovering who you really are in Christ happens for you now every time you take a stand every time you engage with the Lord like this every time he's taught me this for years every time another take another proverbial piece of skin that got over the light and just your is coming off. And now, now again, you will receive greater light and greater depth of God and greater sense of His love. And when you go back to your family this week and you go back to your life wherever you're at, and everything tries to tell you that it's not true. We just we just say back to you, Lord, that we believe. And we just take a stand again and we say, We trust you, Lord. And we we believe again. We believe again and we believe again and we believe again and we believe again. And we don't stop trusting you and believing you. Steve uh, Sr. just sent this Romans 8, 18 through 21. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
for the earnest expectation of the creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. out. 
Take your candles to Juliana, and she'll help you, okay? While the uh, while this is happening, before Austin spoke up, he kept hearing the Lord say this, and I and he kept saying to me, he says, "I'm drawing my heart um, on my people," and I. Now, I, I wonder right here, and we're, we're going to do this as a dedication to the Lord, but just as we as parents and grandparents just begin to pray over our children, um, that like in this moment that, that their hearts would be completely given over to Jesus. that their hearts would be steadfast to love him and long for him and want him. Um, I had that picture before we even began the meeting today that their hearts will be uh, inflamed like ours has with the love of God. You know, many of us have experienced the flame of God in the soul. And man, it draw, he draws us in that flame and it's just... Once you get once you get illuminated by the Lord like that, you just you got to go back for more, and I want them to experience this flame um, that gets a hold of them, and they just desire Him like what they. Sometimes I think children are like, "Why do y'all do what you do? You know, why do you sign up again and again for Jesus?" Uh, because when he gets a hold of your heart and um, the fire starts to burn hot and you experience his love, you want to go back to him like over and over and over again.
Well, if, if you would like to, this is children, if you want to just come up here and stand. All of you there, children, if you want to, if you'd like to come up here and stand. Um, or like our, even our teenagers. kids let's let um look look up here for a minute at me okay look up here sadie sadie look up here at daddy so i'm um not sure where you're all at with the lord this morning but i believe you've all said yes to him but I want to give you the opportunity this morning, if you haven't, to just say um, to the Lord, uh, hey, Lord, I just want you to be everything to me in my life. I want to, I want to, you know, for, for me, I'm an adult, but I, it seemed like yesterday I was just like in your shoes. And you have to make it, we make a decision every day, like Austin was saying, to just say, hey, Lord, today... I'm going to sign up to believe you. Y'all hear me? So today, maybe you could just say this with me, all right? Lord, if you want to, Lord, today, I sign up to say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want you. I want this flame to burn in me. I want to I want to be encountered by you. I want you to know me and I want to know you deeper. Where we just pray, just reach out to your babies and where we just ask you right now that you would just pour out your spirit of love on all of our children that are represented here and our children that are not here. We just pray over all of our kids, Lord, that they would be ignited by your flame of love. I ask you, Lord, that you would give each one of these children a deep, profound encounter with your spirit. Like even, even this week, Lord, something that you, where you would intervene into their life and let them know that you're ever present with them, that they would... Not they would say, Oh my goodness, how could that have happened? And that the Lord would reveal Himself to you in such a way that would mark you all the days of your life for Him. And where we just ask your Holy Spirit to mark each one of our children. I ask, Lord, this morning for a creativity to flow from them, that you would cause their the image that's in them and the likeness that's in them to be fully restored. I pray, Lord, that what we've endeavored to do as parents, to follow you, that our children, our grandchildren would be marked by you. And Lord, that you would just love on them and you would reveal your love to each one of them. Where we dedicate ourselves again today with this advent of dedicating our temple to you. The children, that you dedicate yourself to him that you would say yes to him again today, that I, I dedicate my thoughts to you, I dedicate my emotions to you, I dedicate my whole self to you, that I want you to have your full way in my life. 
Listen, every day, I was teaching my children this other night, every day that you pursue the presence of the Lord is every day that you mature faster. Many of you are the millennial generation or beyond the millennial generation now. You don't want to miss out on what God has available for you because he created you. So what you want to do is every day you want an encounter with the Lord. You want to ask him, hey, can I have another encounter? Can I have another one? You don't want to get one like every five weeks. You want to have one every day. You ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I want to have your presence in my life and I want you to encounter me. Because, you know, the world is, if you feel boredom very much, I used to get bored, but I don't know if you ever feel bored. But if you do, that's an invitation for encounter. If you feel like, man, things are just, I feel high and dry, that's where you press into the Lord, and He'll meet you there every time. Just go after Him. You say, oh, I feel alone right now. I feel all alone. That's your invitation. Sometimes we think that that's the place to turn in on ourselves. That's the place where you go to Him. If you do this, if you'll do this, you'll come under such remarkable encounters like you can never imagine. Like There's no book, there's no song, there's nothing else compared to what the world will do uh, for you. If you just will say, I just turn towards you, and that your light would shine so bright that men will see your works and they will glorify God. Amen. Bless you. You can go back to your seat. Amen. Amen. That was a, that was amazing. Um, wow. Well, let's, I'm gonna, let's, I, I just want to thank everyone here. Many of you um, have been partnering with our ministry and, and giving, and I just want to thank you so much uh, for the blessing that you've brought uh, even within this house. And um, we appreciate you. And, and I really, you know, John's been up uh, on the, excuse me, on the offering for some time. And, um, and one, one thing that we're really like passionate about, and you can hear this in John's voice, but we're really passionate that, and, and he's called me this week, that the spirit of poverty or the stronghold to try to get us into a place of limitation uh, would not take over God's people, that we can move out and be a blessing. And one of the great, one of the great things the enemy tries to do to us is convince us to withhold and you know if you get under pressure the the tendency of every human being is to sort of grab hold of yourself and hang on for dear life and go into survival mode but and what john has been saying is you thrive and you experience great joy in your giving and so when you give in the middle of we don't know how we're going to make ends meet or we don't know how we're going to fund this thing and you let go and you just say, I trust you, Holy Spirit, as he marks you to, as the Lord gives you your bread and your seed, Second Corinthians 9, never, ever eat your seed. One of the great principles that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden was, 
that he was to guard the garden and cultivate it. And there's a blessing in the seed. There's a blessing when you, when you give. And I just want to uh, bless you with the wisdom because we need this in business. We need this in our family life. That we need to be a lot of times in the giving is future, a future reality. And I want to um, in, encourage you because I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit about this particular area so you don't get into a condition of survival when you were meant to thrive. And so he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. What is my seed? And do not eat your seed because that will produce a harvest that will come forward for you and be a blessing in your future. That's how you frame your future. Some of you need some things in your life to happen financially. And um, the Lord is a respecter of the law of sowing and reaping. And so you, he said when he preached the kingdom of God, that was the first thing he came out with. And he talks about these four types of seed. I just want to encourage you, ask the Lord for wisdom in this particular area. Um, because you're... Your, your future in this can, can come into divine blessing. I've, I'll be very, very frank. If you, if you ever, you, you watch the people who give, they normally prosper in the area of finance the most. It's just, if you just, without, just in a practical way. Um, and so the more you're able to, and the Lord opens your heart up to, uh, to be a blessing, do that. And however way he leads you, follow him in this principle uh, because um, it'll, it'll help your future and where you're taking your family. So let me just uh, bless you and pray over you. Lord, I just pray for divine release over your people. Some need uh, to get into a different vocation this morning in a different place or field. Uh, they've come out, some are working two jobs, Lord, but they really would like some more time. Um, some have uh, walked in a place of limitation and survival, just kind of trying to figure out how we're going to fund this next thing. And I, I ask you, Holy Spirit, this morning that you're the great benefactor, that we don't have a trust like a mechanical relationship with you, but as benefactor, you want to relate to us even in finance. And I pray that this wisdom would come over everyone here. The way finance operates in your kingdom and the way the sowing of the seed works. I prayed for you, you would bless some that are wanting to come out of a dual income into a single income, but I don't know how to do it. Some that are limited because of physical uh, needs and are on fixed income, but they're just asking you, Lord, how do I operate out of a fixed income scenario? That some uh, have business ideas, but have need something to come out for them to go into uh, that future blessing. I just pray, Lord, for the wisdom, for the bread and the seed this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. Can't you see I'm broken? No I'm arrived. Where are you taking me? Cause I feel so 
Requests from those who would feel led to do it. You don't. No, you are. You definitely don't have to do it. Um, we at, speaking of giving, where you guys all contributed <laughs> to giving to um, a men's rehabilitation center. Um, we gave we gave books, uh, Father by God, to I think there's 16 men. So um, that we did that, and so <laughs> y'all contributed. But anyways. I have um, these little cards, and what I'm asking, if anybody would feel led by the Lord to write an anonymous Christmas card. It does have like a little Christmas blessing on the inside of it, but if you should feel led, these are going to go to, um, uh, obviously, people who are trying to overcome addiction. And um, just to put a scripture, if you had, a, if the Lord should give you like a particular scripture to write in there or a note, um, I don't recommend signing. You could maybe sign your first name, um, but maybe not your last name. I don't know, just that it's recommended, but um, to sign your name. And um, we don't have individual names who we gave it to, but you could write dear friend or whatever the Lord would lead you, if he should lead you to do this. I do, I, I kind of would like to include a scripture if Jesus would put a scripture on your heart. And because they're going to be given um, anonymously, so it's sort of like it's in the Lord's hands and this person receives this card, you know, we don't know who they're going to. But it would just be special, like, you know, to receive something personal, like a personal note of encouragement whatever the Lord would lead you to do. So I have these cards, and if you would like one, you can just raise your hand, and I'll give you one. I do need them back. Um, most likely uh, by, I would have to have them back next week. So if you can finish today, that would be even better. You know, but if you want some time to think about it, then um, I have to have them back by next Sunday. So, and speaking of next Sunday, we are not going to be here next Sunday. We're going to be having, um, this facility is, um, cannot be used next Sunday, but we'll, we'll have our, another Chris, we're going to do another potluck. Tentatively right now, it's at the McKenzie's house, Alyssa McKenzie, and what is her husband? Alyssa and Brian McKenzie. Um, that's kind of tentative because, um, which I know it's last minute, but you will still receive a, um, Sign up, Genius. I'll be sending that out this week if you plan to come. And please RSVP 
on this one if you can let us know for sure just because the whole tentative thing is on numbers so um, we're trying to figure out where we're at and um, so tentatively right now is at the McKenzie's house next Sunday and we may be shifting our time to a later time um, in the afternoon so you will receive an email and all that but if you would like a card this morning then please raise your hand and I'll pass one out All right, let's, um, let's all stand together and turn to Luke chapter 1, and we will be beginning this morning in uh, Luke 1, 57. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother replied, No. He must be named John. They said to her, but none of your relatives bears that name. So they made signs to the baby's father, inquiring what he was wanted his name, his son. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. <clears throat> Immediately, Zachariah's mouth was open and his tongue was released. And he spoke blessing God. All their neighbors were filled with fear and throughout the entire hill country of Judea, all these things were talked about. All who heard these things kept them in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the Lord's hand was indeed upon him. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning. We ask you for your presence to be with us in this text and that this text that's with us today would match with where we're at today, that we would understand more deeply that your revelation would come to us, each one of us individually, that you would ignite us by your spirit, Lord, and that you would be praised through this time that we come before your word to tremble at your word, to understand what it is that you're saying to us how that you're speaking to us and how that you're moving among us. Make your name great today. May you, may you be known through this invitation that we come together in your name related to this particular season of time. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we um, 
had come through Mary's hymn of praise and the great theology and really the doxology of Mary and what she was describing when she made a description of the Lord and really profound. And, and I think if you haven't heard last week's sermon, you can go into your email and you can listen to that, but I would encourage you to. Um, and this was interesting because at the end of this, um, in this text, at the end of last week when Mary brings forth the hymn of praise, it says that she had visited Elizabeth uh, at the end of her second trimester. And that she has come to, Mary had come to meet uh, Elizabeth in her third trimester, and she stays with her there, maybe even in, 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 uh, even in maybe the, some of the toughest days of her pregnancy. And um, I, don't, I don't know how many of you ladies in here have had children, but they, they say, and I, I don't know, I've been with my wife with six children, a third trimester is very, um, can be very difficult. And it gets, um, you get stretched beyond reason. <laughs> and you, um, it, it's, it's painful to go through. And um, I, I find it very endearing when someone comes alongside us in the moment of our greatest travail and maybe our greatest hardship, and stays with us through it. This says a lot about the nature of of Mary as a person. Because many times people will come alongside us and they'll, they'll carry on with us for a little while, but when really push comes to shove and when things get really hard and when... Um, and, and maybe we're not acting exactly like we should, or maybe we're not coming up with the responses like we should, and someone says, you know what, I, I believe in you, and I'm going to uh, stick it out with you. And you know, you're in that third trimester, so to speak. And this, this heart that Mary has is a heart that's willing to push through willing to see through something of maybe that's very difficult. She's willing to stay with Elizabeth in a hard time in her life. Remember, Elizabeth is how old? Well, very senior. And I, I don't know if you ladies can think about this, but, but imagine, imagine a grandmother pregnant or a great-grandmother pregnant with a little baby. Imagine someone with, um, like, you know, completely silver hair. Um, maybe that has to have a cane to kind of try to help them around or a walker. I don't know if they had walkers in that day, but are trying to get around because their mobilization is not there. They're on a fixed income, most likely. You see the picture, right? Someone who's in really needs help. Someone that, where you got to come alongside. Someone else has got to, from a younger generation, come alongside and help. Mary's like 14, 15 years old. Elizabeth may be in her late, I I don't know. But she's a grandmother level. She has been through all these years of her life, and now someone is there to walk with her through 
yes, what may be the great joy of her life, but maybe it's coming on the end. You ever believe for a promise? <laughs> you ever had a promise that had lasted you most of your adult life? Um, and you ever believe for something and you think, you know, it's never going to happen? You ever had something deep down in your soul that you, you had stood on and trusted in and, and uh, had a promise in your life and you haven't yet seen the fruit of what would be brought forth that you believe God said to you? Anybody in here, you're standing on something that you've yet to see happen? That was, that was Elizabeth. And now, in the moment of the promise, do you, do you understand, like, having a child on a young person's frame can be very uh, tough to deal with. But in a senior lady's frame like this, to come to the end of a long journey, the, the question could be in her mind, it, it could be assaulting her, this baby's not going to happen. This this vision that I've had for my life that God put inside of me is not going to come in. It's not going to come to pass. What if the baby dies? What if the baby doesn't make it? I mean, you know, this happens. Uh, this is, I spoke with someone this week. They said that someone had, uh, had got married in their 40s and they've had five miscarriages. They're trying to have children. Both of them were 40 years old and five miscarriages. That's 40. You know, the pressure on this baby coming forward is, it's a miracle. Do you know, um, and, and this, is, this is personal to our house right now, but did you know that we're sitting in the third trimester of this ministry? You probably you couldn't know that because you couldn't know the dates that have been set by God and foreordained even within this place. Um, did you know that we began this on uh, September the twentieth? That this this uh, local event that you're in right now, and do you know what next week is? December the twentieth. Now, how many months is that? Three months, right? Last week, I, I was in the text and I said, there's something about this three-month thing. I just can't figure it out. I, I can't figure out, God, what you're trying to say. I, I know that you're trying to say something uh, to us that, that, you know, we're coming into a new season or pressing through something. And Brian Weatherman calls me and he said, Carol, I've been up like late tonight. And he said, the Lord's just been impressing something profound onto him. And you have to ask him about it. But he said, it's related to this three months, and it kind of just all of a sudden, like, hits me. You know, we're coming up on our first three-month mark. And then when the Lord had shared with me back in March to initiate a pattern, um, he said, I want you to initiate this. And he told me, I want you to um, initiate this pattern because I'm... Uh, in the Melchizedek order, because I'm going to begin to 
unseat the world empires. <laughs> I know that sounds really bodacious to say that, but I'm going to begin the unseating of the governments of the earth, and I'm going to begin to bring forth my crown. And uh, he told me to do it on March the 4th. And I, I didn't know this, but I, the Lord had shown me the year before that March the 4th in our presidential history used to be the day of the inauguration of the U.S. president. We used to inaugurate the president on March the 4th, and uh, now it's January the 20th. And he says to me that day, he says, I want you to count the number of Congress and the Senate, and I want you to sow money into eight different ministries that he had been preparing us for in this ministry. I want you to give it into eight different ministries and eight different representations of the Melchizedek in the Hebrew. And I, I remember I was like, yes, Lord. He said, give 10 times the amount of the delegates to the eight ministries. And he told me this. He said, it will, it will be out of Micah 5, 1 through 5. And, um, and I, I want to share this with you as we jump into what, what's important about this text this morning. What John, what John, this baby's going to come forth and thrust forth this message that we find in Micah 5. I've been really like asking the Holy Spirit, and I'm really grateful to you, Lord, uh, for letting me share this with y'all this morning because I couldn't figure out how I was going to share it with you. So I've been wanting to share this story in the background of this ministry for a few weeks now. But Micah 5. It says, um, but now, NET version again, but slash yourselves, daughter, surrounded by soldiers. We are besieged. With a scepter, they will strike Israel's ruler on the side of his face. And then it says here, and, and, it, and, and again, I was on March the 4th. The Lord says, take the delegates in the Congress and the Senate. So 10 times out into the pattern that you found on the mountain, Exodus 26, 30. Set up the tabernacle according to the pattern which is revealed to you on the mountain. I found the pattern. It was in gold letters. It says Melchizedek. I found this pattern. The Lord reveals it to me. He said, this is the pattern that's going to lead to the glorification of man. This is the base pattern that every single one of us were created in by the Lord. I remember I was telling Kara, I said, you're not going to believe it. I found the pattern that God created man and woman with out of the dust of the ground. And she kind of looks at me sort of like, are you sure, Carol? And I said, it says in Hebrew and gold, I see it. It was on a black cube box. I was like, it says Melchizedek. And the Lord's like, and I want you to initiate the pattern by giving into it. March the 4th, do it on the day that the President of the United States would have been inaugurated. That was since 1933. I was like, yes, Lord. And because I'm going to bring forth and birth a movement of a remnant that will rise in the earth. And I, I, I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. Um, 
You know, when Kara and I left the Air Force, when I left the Air Force, the Holy Spirit told me and her to go to Saluda. And he said this to me, he said, call your wife, because I was reading Bill uh, Wilkinson's book called The Dream Giver. I don't know if y'all have ever read that book. I was reading that book and it says, if you're moving with the Lord in faith, call your spouse and make sure that y'all both have agreement. You know, and I remember I was reading it. I said, I'm going to call my better half. Uh, I'm going to call her and see if she can get a word from the Lord. And I honestly, I'm like seriously doubting that she'd get a word from the Lord. I mean, that's just the truth. But I was like, can you get a word from the Lord that we're to move to a mountain in Saluda and we're going to live there? She calls me back 15 minutes later. Carol, you, I was reading in Exodus 26 today because I'm reading through the Bible and I got to the end at verse 30 and it says, set up the tabernacle according to the pattern which was revealed to you on the mountain. And she says, I know from the Lord we're supposed to go to that mountain. The Lord's going to bring forth a pattern. Well, she, she didn't say that. I, I was like, okay. And so all this happens in our life and we move and we've been there for almost 17 years. You have to understand how big of a deal this is. It takes almost 16 years for me through the darkest time of mine and her life. This pattern reveals itself out of the heavens and the Lord shows it to me. And it said Melchizedek of all things. And we have been in ministry for a decade in the Melchizedek house of prayer and never seen it. And in those gold letters, they shine eight aspects. And the Lord tells me, turn Melchizedek up on its side in Hebrew and and I'll show you all this sometime. He said, twist the letters, turn one this way, flip this one this way. And I'll look at it and it says Milky Way. And I mean, I was about to flip my lid because I'm a bit of an explorer. I love to explore. That's my whole frame. Explore the heavens, right? And this base pattern presents itself. And the Lord said, you found the pattern I created man and woman with. And you found the pattern I created the whole cosmos with. It's an eight structured pattern. I've been, man, I was like, this has got to be the biggest discovery you know, of all of history. You know, I'm like, of mankind. Because the Lord said the pattern has to be right to restore man to a glorified body. Now, you got to understand how big of a deal this is. It's like, for me, like a bit of a scientist, this is the greatest discovery, you know. God's going to Mishkan, uh, means tabernacle, set up the tabernacle, Mishkan, according to the pattern which is revealed to you on the mount. I'm going to set the house in order. Us. The new wineskin is a glorified body. The new wineskin is not another aspect of how we build a church. The new wineskin is the glorification of men. We're on the end of this thing. Jesus is going to get the full glory for what he died on the cross for, that man would look like him. You understand? This is such a big deal. March the 4th, so into the pattern. I'm like, yes. Um, Micah 5, he says, Micah 5, 1 through 5, I read to you. He said, I'm going to smite the ruler on the cheek. It, it, not humorously, but a couple weeks ago, Stephen and I come in here and he's got his eye all swelled up and I got my other eye all swelled up. And the Lord said, 
And in some way, I was like, Lord, we have to suffer with you. <laughs> you know? I'm striking y'all on the side of your, you know, it's like I'm allowing the striking to come on the side, even in this ministry, because I'm making a statement, a prophetic statement. His eyes darken and my other eye, the opposite of his is dark. And I said, man, the Lord said, it's been struck on the side of the face. Listen to this. As for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, seemingly insignificant among the clans of Judah, from you a king will emerge who will rule over Israel on my behalf, whose origins are from the distant past. The fifth dimension. That's what that means. It means his origins come from another dimension. So the Lord will hand, listen to this, the Lord will hand the people of Israel over to their enemies until the time when the woman labors gives birth. Stay with me. Nine months. Nine months I'm going to allow the enemy to assault the Israel of God the remnant offspring of God, I'm going to allow them to come under assault until the woman gives birth. Now, this is significant to me in the context of this because on December the 4th, John Harris, he, he's, him and Cameron aren't with us today. They're in Charleston, or they would be here. On December the 4th, John Harris, over coffee, that morning sends me Micah 5, 1 through 5. Remember, March the 4th, I'm giving Micah 5, 1 through 5. December the 4th, Micah 5, 1 through 5, the prophet of God sends the exact same set of scripture to me. And the Lord says, and nine months has come forward. Listen to what it says. The people will be handed over to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Nine months later to the day, to the day, the prophet didn't even, even know of God sends the exact same scripture. Listen to this. The rest of the king's countrymen, the king's countrymen, the king's countrymen, the, last, the rest of the ones who are the Belong to the order of the king. The royal remnant will return, it says. The king's countrymen will return to be reunited with the people of Israel. Judah and Israel, the remnant, the reunification of the remnant will now begin to happen. Mark the words from this. This is what in God, in the first advent with John, Elizabeth having this baby to bring forth John, he would be prophesying this great king in the first advent would be happening now in the preparation for the king to come back in the second advent that God would begin to restore a remnant people At the end of nine months, God would begin to bring together a holy united people, both Israel and Judah, both those of the presence and the promise, both of those of the, the excuse me, the promise and the yoke that we discussed here, both of the 
Baptist and the Nazarene, the congregation of God and the royal kingship of God would come together as one. It says, he, he will assume his post and shepherd the people of the Lord by his strength, by the sovereign authority of the Lord his God. They will live securely at that time. What is, what is the system going on around us trying to do right now? Tell us that we're going into a place of insecurity. The scripture says to me that we're going into a place of security. We're going to pass through this end time and come to the great place of security. Why? Because the Mishkan, the tabernacle, you and me are going to be secured by God's own sovereign hand in our soul and rest in faith like we never have before. There's going to be a security that your circumstances could never, ever take away from you. There's a rest coming to us for the people who press in by faith that have labored, therefore, to enter into rest that will come on you like never before in this end time. They'll say, how how in the world are you not terrified and afraid? Why didn't you blow your ever-living mind and get angry? And I got him. I, I, I have a king. He's governing my heart. I'm, my circumstances, they don't, they, don't, uh, they don't have anything to do with what's going on in me right now. You and I, that, we're being tested. We're being tried through this right now. Stephen's singing about it. That you would stay in the presence of the Lord and believe no matter what your eyes see or your ears hear, it wouldn't make a difference to you because your eyes are so fixed on Jesus and he's the, he's the chief among 10,000. <laughs> and he's got so a hold of your soul that nothing can take you out of his presence. Nothing can steal from you. Before I had these eight guys and these eight points of the Melchizedek, I mean, I so into this and the word takes me to this passage. It says, listen to this. He's going to be honored in the distant regions of the earth. And then it says, he will give us peace. And should the Assyrian try to invade our land? You all remember what happened a few years ago with Syria and the, the great, uh, you know, problem that was going on over there and the depopulation and then you had people scattering all over the earth, right? The Syrians. Now I asked the Lord, he said, hey, it's, it's a part of what I'm doing. And I said, okay. You know, and you remember all that. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm exposing the nations that have put more trust in material prosperity and things than placing their trust in me. And I will use the Syrian to do that. Um, and he said, he said, uh, If they attempt to set foot in our fortress, we will send against them seven shepherd rulers. Make that eight commanders. Now, when the Lord had said, you know, so into eight, so into the Melchizedek eight, I didn't know this verse. And he said, I I will bring forth eight commanders. 
Listen, this is so important that you hear me now because what Elizabeth is, who she's about to birth, the very presence of God, fueled by the Holy Spirit out her womb, this John that's going to come forward. He was going to say, make straight the way. He, he's going to say, hey, clear up everything that hinders love. Get your heart right with me. Set your eyes on me. There's this passage in Scripture that says, the Syrian says in his heart, he's God of the mountains, but not of the valleys. What, what does that mean? It means we can see the big vision and see the thing that's supposed to happen in the heavens, but when it comes to translating it into daily life and daily living and the family and everything that's going on, he won't meet me there. He won't meet me in the presence of everyday life, sweeping the floor, taking the trash out, taking care of our regular everyday needs. God's not there. God's in the big thing, but God's not into the monotony of everyday life. The Syrian says that in her heart. Why did they say that if, if that thought process was to come and attack us, We'll send out eight shepherd. We'll send out seven shepherd rulers. Make that eight commanders. Why? Because anything that is not allowing heaven to translate to earth in our life has to be guarded against. It has to be stopped. Because we, the people of God, have got to see a demonstration of God come from the heavens down into the earth. Jesus said it. He said, "When you pray, you pray this." Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He'll say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Where? As it is up in the heavens. There has to be a translation from heaven to earth in your and my life. What he's saying is effectively, we will send out eight different dimensions or eight different aspects against everything that is trying to block a release of heaven coming to earth. John, in his text today, it comes forth. The presence of, of God is going to come forth out of this man. And there's a question. Uh, there's a question that's going on with John. What is his name supposed to be? Um, what, what are you going to call him? Elizabeth says, his name, thank you. His name will be called John. His name will be called John. Why is it important for us to understand this today? I mean, what is the application of this? Why has Zachariah's mouth been closed? What is one of the greatest assaults on the presence of God for you and me today? What is it? Believing who uh, you are in him. 
The greatest assault on you, and Stephen, Stephen's talked to me about this point because he's had to deal with this. I, I, I know. It's, and he says it better than I do. That's why I brought him up a few weeks ago. He really understands this. This, this great assault on the human spirit is the issue of who? Another way we might say this, and Rafi said this in a prayer meeting two weeks ago, is why am I sinner? Why am I cultural sinner? Why am I? Uh, Paul Tillich, he wrote this book called The Courage to Be. Um, I want to read you a quote from him in The Courage uh, to Be because this is really powerful um, and related to this end time move of God. Um, Listen to this quote. Because this is what, you know, Henry's like, Carol, you got to do a podcast on that. Well, we'll just... We'll do it right here, right now. Uh, we'll just, we're recording right now, right? <laughs> Listen to this quote by Paul Tillich in his book, The Courage to Be. The courage to be is the courage to accept oneself in spite of being unacceptable. It's this confidence, it's this confidence that must arise inside of us, this, this courage to exist. You know what you're going through every day? This is, this is what John's going to be coming at. This is why he's coming, and this was why there was a question about his name. There was a question about his name because of identity. Because John's going to come and represent the very presence of God and call a people to the presence of God. Jesus is going to come and represent the power of God, but John has to come and align us in the presence of God. And God has him come forward with this question on what is his name going to be? Shuts his own daddy's mouth. Why? Because one of the great questions of our age is who am I? One of the greatest questions you and I are going through that that especially when things are coming against you or this supposed favor comes into your life that maybe isn't from the Lord is trying to be characterized by something other than the real, the real authentic self who you really are in light of God as Father. The presence of God, why we seek the presence of God is because, and why we're led into the presence of God is to be a realigned. That, that, that sense that you experience, that courage that you experience, that we experienced this morning, is a re-invitation back to believe who God says you are. That's what we're hungry for. Like, I'm tired of being forlorn, feeling like I'm in exile, feeling like I'm, I don't know where I belong, or feeling like I'm trying to find myself in an alternative way. It's the great crisis of the age right now. Um, Austin Harris mentioned this to me this week that while we were having lunch with him, it, it, was, it was a beautiful confession. But are we, are we trying to find ourselves based out of ambition? 
Or are we trying to use our own sort of idea of our own creativity and we're running after our creativity in and of itself? Or are we trying to be ambitious to be somebody that maybe doesn't even characterize the way God views us? And if you've ever had those guys be killed, the guy of ambition or the lady of ambition that's trying to find yourself or the other one is like, I'll pursue some kind of creativity, but I'm going to do it in my own way apart from him. If you've ever done that and had that person die, it can make you feel a little bit like, where do I belong? I mean, who am I? What's my name? Where do I, where do I fit in? This is the big problem of the whole age right now. This is, this is, this is it. This is our issue. Adam had it asked. It was his second question. Who told you you were what? Naked. We can't get to the where are you question if we don't go through the who question. You can't find yourself spatially located in this place of where do I belong if first the who question is answered. Do you see how God brings that to pass through John? John's going to come first. Why? Because the who question has to be answered. Who am I? If we're going to get into Jesus' kingdom, where... We must first go to who? And the Lord wants to bring this great healing to our souls because we've been characterized. Some of us have had to compartmentalize ourselves into a different idea and aspect of ourselves just survive every day. And the Lord wants to answer this question deeply. And he brings us even beyond the who into the why am I? I mean, hey, if you've ever been there, it's deeply painful. I just want to say, that place is a deeply painful place to navigate to. Who am I? Why do I even exist? Anybody ever had to go through this? Or is this me? I thought that that place was so dark to me. And you see, I wear dark. But it was so dark to me, I thought I'd never find the answer. When you get into your primordial existence, I mean, before God, and that somehow, even before time began, that he loved you and he knew you and you were his own, and you start to get into that and you think, you think you'd lose your mind going there. Everything's telling you it's not true. Everything is trying to tell you that the who of you is not true, right? Or now the why of you, why am I? Why do I even exist? People that get thrown over sometimes never come back from that place. They, they put many of them in, in sand asylums. They've had to drug them. They've had to pick other alternative sources to help them cope every single day because that question is sitting deep down in the longing of our hearts. And the Lord wants to bring an answer to us that we would not find ourselves based on some kind of external thing or our own ambition or our own creativity. God wants to give to you righteousness. No more ambition. I'll just give you than my, my, uh, my nature. 
I'll give you my nurture self-discovery. I'll give you who you are. I'll tell you. Just trust me. Trust me by faith. Believe me. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I didn't think a human being could navigate that without dying. I thought if you tried to get that question answered, you would surely have to die. That you can never get the human heart's condition finally satisfied. Now I'm here to tell you today because I'm one of these people that's been traveling the gamuts of this. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he is truly good. <laughs> that he is your father. And that he loves you. And that if I could know anything of a surety in the sense of identity, in the question of who am I, that God will meet you there if you'll come along with him and trust him and believe him to answer that deep longing of the human heart. That even if you would be willing to have the courage to exist, to be, and that you would have the courage to accept who God has made you to be, even though maybe you have found yourself to be unacceptable or maybe someone else has. But you would have the courage in the light of God and His glory and His own grace in your life to say, I exist for the glory of God and none one else can take me from that place. And you will know what Elizabeth was going through. And you will know why we worship Him in spirit and in truth. And you will know why we long for Him in His presence. And you will know why we worship Him. And the great where. Where are you? Because the Lord's coming back to establish the where. Where? In the heavens. Where? In the heavens. Heaven on earth. <laughs> Where do I belong? Where do we go? What did, what did Peter, what will Peter say? Where will we go? The more God deals with the who, the better you'll be off with the where. We're backing up into the garden. The garden of Eden land. The restoration of man and the restoration of all things. Let's stand together. I can't, like, you know, do this for you. I can't do this for you. I can, I can give you a sermon. Listen, this is what the Lord, this is the way he works. I've been walking with him for a while. Many of you have too. He's going to tell you something about yourself. And you're going to have to step out in faith and believe it. And it's not going to be characterized by your circumstances. Let's just get it out on the, out there. He's going to say, it's called, we call it moving in faith. He's going to say, move out and trust me. I can't tell you, man. The Lord said to me for a couple years, go to the Biltmore house and walk around and get you a tree book and look at leaves. 
have, at that point, I think we had five kids, six kids, and I'm a man, and I'm supposed to provide for my family. No, go look at trees and study the leaves. I did, I did, Lord, you can't, you can't do that and take care of your family. He said, do you believe who I say that you are? That you're my son? I'm like, no, I guess I don't. But I want to come walk with me in the cool of the day in the garden and look at leaves on trees. I don't know how the Lord did it, but somehow our family was a, was well taken well taken care of to some people's standards, especially when their dad and husband is not necessarily occupied in some kind of physical labor. God was meeting me. And man, I kept I'd look at the tree and Manny was going with me during that time. I talked to him and we were relating to each other as three years old and he'd get on his little scooter bike and I'm looking at him and he loves me and I love him and the father loves us both and Oh, man, but I'll tell you, man, this deep pain like right in my sternum. It's like pressing into my chest. This isn't right, God. I can't be this kind of person. I, I, got, I got to do something better than this. Who's going to take care of my babies? Who's going to take care of my family? The Lord's like, do you believe who I say that you are? Because you must stand in faith believing. Pain on the center part of the chest. Pain right here in the sternum. Do you know that? Do you know what? That's the greatest offense of the gospel. Do you know what the great offense of the gospel is? That we want to take ourselves and co-opt ourselves for so much less than the way God views us. That we're living our life every day thinking, well, this is this is who I am, and the Lord keeps telling us we're somebody else. But instead of walking out who we are, we keep saying, no, I got to succumb to this measure of life. The great offense of the gospel, Kierkegaard said it, he said, the great offense as Christians is that the Lord sees us in such a different way that is so much beyond our own imaginations that we can't even imagine. And he says, come and believe me in that. And you're like, how can it be? And I'll tell you, like travel the depths of this with the Lord. Let him say something about you today about who you really are. You know, some of my greatest friends, the Lord will say something to me. He'll say, this is who I say that person is. And they're like, how is that possible? I don't even look like that, act like that, live like that. No, that's the way the Lord views you. The Lord is not going to take an inferior understanding of who you are and let you co-opt yourself into something that he doesn't see you to be. Who am I, Lord? The greatest human experience you'll ever have is when you come in agreement with who God says that you are and you allow Him to define you. So we're going to do that here today, but I'm going to need you to trust Him tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And then we'll come and eat together next Sunday and trust Him again. And I want you to just sign up for love every day and believe that God says that you are. Yeah, but you don't know my mama said this about me and cut me to my core and destroyed my sense of self-worth. Yes, that may have happened, but who does God say you are? My daddy, he didn't like me or he wasn't there, he wasn't present. 
but no, but, 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 but who does God say that you are? Who does your father say that you are? But I tried to find my identity from this performance thing, or, and, and I went out and I did this job, and, and whatever, and I got all these accolades, but something seemed like it won't fulfill me, so I backed out of all that, because he led me that way, and then I went into real trials, and then the Lord would say, come on, little child, with me, and let me define you, let me define you, I'm the author and the finisher of your faith, let me make the definition of who you are, embrace me in this way, let go, let go, let go, see, we can get a hold of this, because man, that I exist before him and he delights in me and loves me. I don't have to direct myself anymore, protect myself, or provide for myself. That's what Adam and Eve didn't know. They didn't know that. They didn't know that he was directing, providing, and protecting them. They, they were just in a relationship with him. You can be too. I can be too. We can live like this every day. How is the Lord this morning telling you to initiate this process with Him? What is He inviting you into to engage with Him that's outside of what your reason and your emotions? What is He saying to you right now? He'll say, come and follow me. Come and follow me into a new place. Now you've got the recognition of John. Now come and trust me and follow me and become who you really are in me, the true authentic self before the Father. Let's take communion together.
would you change today? Is anything or would there be anything you would change today? you're the royal family is there anything you would change today would it change the way you respond to others around you would it change the way that you see yourself in light of your circumstances what would you change would you stay in your present position or situation would you would you move out from where you're at where you're maybe you're living or would you go sign up for something different? I, I don't know. Well, what would you change? If you knew right now, and you just deeply resonated in the who of who you are, that you're God's son and daughter. Would it change your actions about the way you feel about the loved ones that are around you? What would you do differently? How would you act differently? Where would you go differently if today you were defined by a different who? Listen, everything else is limitation. It's trying to limit us and get us to think in a different way. Allow yourself to space with the Father to go outside the box of where you've been and where you've been at your whole life. Allow yourself to engage with another another place with him. Allow the constraints in, to come off of you and be released in freedom. For the freedom he came to liberate you. For freedom Christ came to liberate us out of bondage. Allow it. Allow the new you to come forward in him. This is why he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Lord, he knew when he gave of his body, he knew that many of us would reject our design. He knew that when the, our design was put in front of us that we'd say, I don't want that. He knew that that's why his body was broken, so that we could break with him and see a new design in a new and living way for our life. And we wouldn't reject anymore what he had designed for you and me to walk in. And he said, I want to pour sweet grace into that place of that open wound. I want to Put a healer in place. I'm going to heal your soul. And he took the cup and he said, this is my new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. See you next week.